Coming to you live from the Republic of Texas and broadcasting around the world, this is the Max McGuire Show. This is our last chance to take this country back. That's true. Listen, it doesn't matter that Joe Biden is losing his mind. He still betrayed this country. Come on, man. Get ready because the Max McGuire Show starts right now. All right, can we hear me now? All right, audio's fixed. <laughs> Sorry, uh, audio is fixed. I did another interview on another show, which is going to be airing tonight on uh, Madison Marquette's channel. So I had to mess with the audio a little bit. So that's why that audio wasn't just working. Apologies for that. Should be fixed now. Lots to talk about today. We have the first case so far against the January 6th Patriot that has ended up in a full acquittal, the full acquittal of all charges against him. Mr. Matthew Martin, we're going to be getting into that, talking about the case, talking about why the judge decided to uh, acquit him on all four charges, what that means for other January 6th protesters, and just talking general about the legal system, how there are so many people who were at January 6th protests, probably could have been acquitted, but because the federal government is so powerful, they were forced into plea deals and had no choice but to take them. So hit that rumble button if you haven't already. Comment, comment, comment. Love seeing your comments. And, uh, and share it. We really do need, do need your help growing this show, growing this program. Um, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the audio edition. That's available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Podbean, and Audible. All those links are in the description as well. So let's talk about this. Matthew Martin was a defense contractor in, uh, based out of New Mexico. He lived in New Mexico. He traveled to Washington, D.C. because he wanted to be part of the protest against uh, the certification of the 2020 election results that was happening on January 6, 2021. He, like so many people, traveled to Washington, D.C. to be part of that protest. And like so many other people, he ended up inside the Capitol. You can see this picture on the screen. That is Matthew Martin taking video as seen in the rotunda, surrounded by other people. The prosecution, the Department of Justice, claimed that he should have been found guilty on four charges. So we can, uh, we can, I can read out what the charges were that they, that they filed against him. 18 U.S.C. Section 1752, A1, which is knowingly entering or remaining in any restricted building or grounds without lawful authority. Then Section A2, disorderly conduct, which impedes the conduct of government business. And then they said he violated 40 U.S.C. Section 5104, E2D, E2D, disruptive conduct in the Capitol buildings. And then E2G, parading, demonstrating, or picketing in the Capitol buildings. Now, we'll get through, we'll go through a little bit of this in a bit. The so-called facts that the government brought against him. But it's important to note as we've, as I've mentioned so many times when I'm covering the January 6th protesters, they did not force down the doors. They did not rip the doors open. The doors of the U.S. Capitol building are locked with magnetic locks. I mean, they, these are hardened doors. I, I believe it's actually technically bulletproof glass, or at least bullet-resistant glass. Uh, most of the videos that you see, the pictures you see of cracked glass, um, they, the glass didn't shatter. It stayed intact. So it is resistant glass. These doors are not easily forced open. But they were opened on January 6th. Only a couple people would have the authority to open the doors. And all of them would have been, uh, would have been Capitol Police. So we've known for a while that the police were the ones who opened the doors. 
We've known for a while that the police were the one who opened the doors. And as we've seen, and as we'll show, I'll show in a second for some videos and some images, the police were the ones holding the doors open and gesturing for people to come inside. That detail is very important for this man, Matthew Martin, his defense, because the judge in the case agreed with his defense that he couldn't be charged with those four crimes I just listed because he had reasonable, it would be reasonable for him to believe that he was allowed on the premises. Basically, the government did not prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he didn't know he was supposed to be there. That makes sense. Kind of a double negative there. Because the cops opened the door and gestured for him to come in, it was reasonable for him to think that he was allowed there. Therefore, the government hasn't proven that he broke the law because the law says you can't go there without lawful authority. Let's go ahead and read that, read that law. This is 18 U.S.C. section 1752. And it says, whoever knowingly enters or remains in any restricted building or grounds without lawful authority to do so. I mean, that's what he was charged with. That's what he was charged with, A1. So the question is, if you see a police officer holding open a door and gesturing for you and others to come inside, is it reasonable for you to believe that you had the lawful authority to do so? The answer is yes. Now, if you saw police officers shouting, do not come inside, you're not allowed to come inside, turn around. If you saw police officers tackling people to the ground or pushing them to stop them from entering the Capitol, then it, you, could, you could believe that, that he would have had a reasonable expectation he wasn't allowed in the building. Then this would apply. If he walked up to the doors and there was a sign that said, no trespassing, you're not allowed in, and he opened the door himself and walked in, well, then all that reasonable doubt goes away, and it's pretty obvious he knew he wasn't supposed to be there. But in this case, none of that happened. In this case, Matthew Martin was brought, was walked into the Capitol through a door held open by police officers who were gesturing for him to come in. We've seen other, we've seen other videos of police officers high-fiving protesters, police officers saying, we agree with you, we support you. All of those things put together create a defense for the protesters who have been charged with these kinds of crimes. This is like the lowest level crime that, that they've gone after them for. But remember, this is still a crime that you can see right here on the screen is punishable by not more than 10 years in prison. 10 years. They can go away for 10 years for unlawfully entering the building. That's what was up for debate here. Whether, he, whether the gesture of the police officer saying, come on in, come on in, whether, that, <laughs> whether or not that is a good enough excuse to get him off the hook for a potential 10-year prison sentence. So I want to play how CBS News covered this today because they did a pretty good job. They did a little fear-mongering. They're trying to still make it seem like he did something wrong. But let's cover this. This is CBS's breaking news as they announced this last night when it happened. Let's play cut two. We have breaking news. Matthew Martin of New Mexico has been acquitted of all charges connected to the January 6th riot. That's right. Martin traveled to Washington, D.C. after reading then-President Trump's tweets about the 2020 election being stolen. He came to the protest on January 6th and entered the Capitol with a crowd of other people. Martin has stated that he only realized later that the protests were worse than he thought. 
During his trial, he claimed officers waved him into the Capitol building. A prosecutor called this, quote, nonsense. But he d they Joining did. Joining us now is CBS News congressional uh -huh. correspondent Scott McFarland. Scott, welcome. So tell us about the verdict for Matthew Martin and its significance for other cases. Watch, they're going to play this hey, video Tanya and Meg, this is not the most significant case. It's a lower-level case, a misdemeanor case. But this ruling, this verdict, could be quite significant. It lays down a marker that not everybody here unlawfully in the Capitol was deemed unlawful that day by all judges. The judge has found this defendant, Matthew Martin, not guilty of four charges, entering a restricted area, two charges of civil disorder and unlawful picketing and parading. The judge says the government didn't make its case sufficiently on any of those charges. What the judge cited is what Matthew Martin didn't do on January 6th. The judge says, according to the evidence shown at trial, Matthew Martin wasn't screaming or shouting, wasn't crowding people. He was here. He was amid the mob, but the judge says he was not an impactful member ah. of the mob. What's more, this case has a distinctive element. There is video evidence shown at trial showing Matthew Martin going through or near a doorway here on January 6th. And in the image, according to the judge and according to the testimony, the police officer manning the door seemed to wave either at or toward Martin as mm. if to come on through, clear the doorway. And the judge says that's important. It may be an indication Matthew Martin did not realize it was unlawful to be here at that moment on that day. But this does lay down a marker, Meg and Tanya. We now have somebody who was inside this complex amid a riot who has not been deemed guilty of being part of a riot. Could impact many cases to come. So that's important because Everything that he just said there is right. I find it interesting that CBS News, the anchor, quoted the prosecutor who said it was ludicrous to think that the police officer gestured for him to come in only to have their actual reporter on the ground in the Capitol building report the true facts, which was that, no, the police officer did gesture. So see how even there with CBS trying to report the news, they're still trying to create this narrative that this ruling was somehow unjust, it was unreasonable, it was wrong. When no, the evidence shows that he should not have been prosecuted. And just a second ago, I said that that would have been a 10-year sentence. That would have only been if he was carrying a deadly weapon. Without a deadly weapon, it would have been not more than one year. But that's still one year in prison. The interpretation of whether or not a gesture to come inside constitutes lawful authority to enter. The judge, in this case, ruled that it does. Um, important to note here that Matthew Martin did not take a jury trial. Very smart move. Washington, D.C., not very friendly to conservatives, to patriots. If he had gotten a jury, I don't think it would have mattered that the police officer gestured him in. I think that in Washington, D.C., it's hard to find someone who hasn't already been brainwashed into thinking that January 6th was an actual coup. It would have been impossible for him to get a fair trial. So he went, before, uh, went for a bench trial, got a Trump-appointed judge, and the judge acquitted him on all counts. Let's read the second one. So that was the first one. And then the second charge was A2, which is knowingly and with intent to impede or disrupt the orderly conduct of government business or official functions, engages in disorderly or disruptive conduct in or, or within such proximity to any restricted building or grounds when or so that such conduct, in fact, impedes and disrupts the orderly conduct of government business and official functions. That's where that part that the judge ruled he wasn't breaking things. He wasn't destroying things. He was just kind of walking around. So it's hard to say that hard to argue that the person who's just walking around 
was impeding a government function. You know, obviously, the group of people itself was impeding it, but he wasn't the, the one physically doing it. So, they, so he acquitted him on that charge as well. Then there's also 40 U.S.C. Section 5104, and that, um, I want to make sure I get the right number for that. What was the right number for that? It was E2D. So we scroll down to E, it's right here. Capital grounds and building security. E2D, so violent entry and disorderly conduct. So utter loud, threatening, abusive language or engage in disorderly or disruptive conduct at any place in the grounds or any capital buildings with the intent to impede, disrupt, or disturb the orderly conduct of a session. The government did not prove that he was doing any of that. The part for violent entry it cannot be deemed a violent entry if the police officer held the door open. It cannot be deemed a violent entry if a police officer gestured for him to come inside. And as the judge pointed out, he was not acting in a disorderly manner. When you understand what he believed at the time, which was he was entering a building, the police officer said, come on in. He believed he had a legal, a lawful authority to enter that building. And the manner that he was behaving in that building was not disorderly. So all of this falls apart. All of this falls apart when you identify that he had reason to believe he, it was legal, lawful for him to be in there. And then E2G, that's parade, demonstrate, or picket. He wasn't doing that. He wasn't parading. He wasn't demonstrating. He wasn't picketing. He was walking around taking video, as the judge said, the way you would expect a reporter, a journalist to do. Lots of journalists out there are actually protesting through their their work but this guy was not obviously he was at a protest but he wasn't walking through the the uh, statuary hall picketing just it just it, it didn't happen so all four of these charges which remember these were all misdemeanor charges he could have gone away for a long time if he was forced to serve these consecutively four charges acquitted on all counts i want to show you a bit of the evidence quote-unquote evidence that the government presented. These are the, the, the crimes that they charged him with. We scroll down. Doo, 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 doo. Um, so let's see some of these pictures. They took some pictures. So there's the picture we already showed you of him. They claim that he's in here somewhere. This is interesting because the government in its own document, its own uh, pleading, says right here, quote, one of the videos provided by Martin shows a police officer standing near a door the Capitol. The video also shows that pane of glass to the door has been smashed. Still images from that video are shown below. So the government is trying to undercut, undercut the art, his argument that a police officer, you can see right here on the screen, right here, was holding the door open for him. The government's arguing that he should have known it was unlawful to be in there because the window was broken. That isn't a real argument. So you can make that argument to everyone who is at the front. We've showed this, the man that Ray Epps whispered into his ear, said something probably along the lines of, let's go, let's do it, it's go time. That guy absolutely can be charged with this crime because he pushed over the barricade and ran up the stairs. He had an understanding he wasn't allowed to be there. But the people in the back, the people who were not the first ones in the door, they, there's no reason to think that they knew what was happening at the front of that group you you show up at the capitol all of a sudden you see a doors open you walk in you don't know that someone forced it open you don't know how it opened 
Sure, there's a broken window, but you don't know how, what, what caused that. Maybe it was from a couple days ago. Who knows? Who knows? You show up at the, at the door. You see this police officer right here holding the door open. You have a reasonable belief that you're allowed to be in there. And they're showing, oh, the glass was broken, so he should have known. He should have known. And then they did this one. I don't know why the government put this in. They said that this man was grimacing as if the act of someone grimacing suddenly means you're not allowed to be there. Um, not quite sure what that's supposed to mean. But then they showed this picture, which we already just showed you earlier, of Matthew Martin in the crowd trying to prove that he was there. This is one of the important images because here... Um, it's a little hard to see, but you can see that there were police officers here and there were police officers back here just out of frame. They were the ones who were gesturing for people to come into the Capitol. The government claims that this is evidence that he was there unlawfully, but that's not what they've proven. See, they've proven that he was there without a doubt. They've proven that he was there. And this was enough evidence to suggest to a judge that a warrant should be issued. But remember... Probable cause is a much lower evidentiary standard than beyond a reasonable doubt. When you look at this, if you were a judge looking at this evidence here, you could believe that, yes, they have probable cause to believe that he was unlawfully in the Capitol, sign off on the arrest warrant. That is very different. That is very different from beyond a reasonable doubt, which requires the government to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that not only were you there, but you knew that you shouldn't be there. That's an important part of any kind of trespassing charge. Someone has to know that what they're doing is unlawful. And that tends to be true across the country. In order to be trespassed, you either have to see a sign, see a sign that says no trespassing, already know that you're not allowed to be there, or be told by someone who owns the property or a police officer that you're being asked to leave, you're formally trespassed, and if you come back, it would be actually be a violation. So it's not enough to prove that he was there. You have to prove that he wasn't allowed to be there. And just because you know that he wasn't allowed to be there doesn't mean that he knew that he wasn't allowed to be there. And that was the, the weakness in the government's case. That was the ultimate weakness in the government's case. And the judge found that he was not guilty on all four counts. I want to play a little bit of his attorneys, Matthew Martin's attorneys, because they came out after the verdict yesterday and spoke for the press for a little bit. Let's play this. Let's play cut three. Well, I think the definitive factor was that uh, Matt Martin did not break the law. And we had the benefit of a lot of video evidence and the judge had a chance to see it. And uh, video ev evidence is the best evidence, and uh, he did nothing wrong. Did it make a difference you didn't see a jury in there, you just saw a judge? Um, well, you know, that can cut both ways, because if it's uh, a jury trial, then all 12 have to convict somebody. Uh, whereas if it's a bench trial, uh, you're, you, you just have one person. And so um, it, it can cut either way. And Mr. Martin, what's your reaction to, to this verdict today? I am very thankful for the judge's verdict, and I'm hoping that I get my life back together, get my job back. Your job at uh, Los Alamos? It's another company, but yeah, basically, same, 
the judge did say it was more likely than not he thought that you you knew you weren't allowed to enter the Capitol. I mean, you know, someone looking at this from the outside thinks, hey, you've got a top level secret security clearance. You're a federal contractor. You know the rules for federal buildings. What would you say to them? I just refer you to testimonies. Very smart. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Anything else? Very, very smart there. Just going to refer you to testimony. Very smart answer, because if he had answered that in any way that could have implicated him, they could come after him for other charges. Not those same charges, because remember, the U.S. Constitution prohibits double jeopardy. That's the idea that you are charged twice for the same crime. He's been acquitted. He cannot be charged again. Very rare instances where the government would be allowed to appeal. I don't think any of that would be really met here. He's acquitted. They cannot go after him for the same charges. They could go after him for something else. If they had originally decided not to throw the book at him, they could theoretically go after him for something else. They probably won't because um, they have other bigger fish to fry. But it's pretty obvious here that he's happy. And yes, he was a federal contractor. So he lost his job because of this prosecution. Being acquitted, you would hope that he would get his job back. Chances are that's probably going to be an uphill battle. That's probably going to be an uphill battle because even if he has been acquitted, he has been judged in the court of public opinion by many people, and they still believe he's guilty. So a private company might not want to take a chance on him. I hope that he gets his job back. I hope he's able to get back to some kind of a normal life because what he's had to endure all of these months, over a year, is really despicable. And you, and you realize just how many people... Like we look at this image right here, you see how many people are in this. Realize that the Biden administration is going after pretty much everyone that they can. Everyone that they can go after that they can, they can, they can tie to being in the Capitol or even being around the Capitol when this was all going down. They're charging them with something. And the way it works is when you're charged with a crime, they'll throw the book at you. They'll charge you with a bunch of crimes and then they'll offer you a plea deal. They'll say, hey, we'll, we'll let this all slide, but you have to plead to this plead guilt to this. You have to pay the fine, pay the restitution, and accept guilt. Most people facing the potential for years in prison will take that deal. Right? And say, oh, you'll let me off the hook with, with a couple weeks of community service, paying a fine, a small fine, and paying 100 bucks in restitution. Fine. That, that, make that go away. Because they look at it and say, well, what happens if I lose the case? If you lose the case, you're going to prison for a long, long time. Ruin your life. Prosecutors know this. They know that they're holding all the cards. So they put all this pressure on these, def on these defendants to take the plea deal, take the plea deal. Most federal prosecutions end in a plea deal. And it really is a great miscarriage of justice because the majority of, of federal cases never even go to court. The majority of people who are found guilty in the United States of federal crimes, it's because they've pled guilty. They've pled guilty. The government has never proven beyond a reasonable doubt that they're guilty. They've just held the specter of a life in prison over their head and said, okay, you decide. What do you want to do? That's usually enough to break people. I had a situation uh, a few years ago where I was accused of a hit and run I didn't do. Absolutely didn't do it. I was, I was, it was like the stupidest thing ever, but they threw the book at me. They, they, they charged me with careless driving, all this leaving the scene of, of an accident. It would have sent me away to prison. Right? So I took a plea deal for something like, I think it was reckless, it was a little bit less, and just went on with my life. But the government was convinced I did it, and therefore they were going to throw the book at me. It happens. Lots of people just say, hey, you know what? I can't, 
can't risk it. And, and that's reasonable. But when you look at all these people, think about all the people who have taken plea deals already. Everyone that was around Matthew Martin when he walked through that door could use the same defense. Same defense that, nope, they, they gestured for me to come in. Or, or make the argument that, oh no, I saw from the other end of the rotunda a police officer was gesturing. I figured everyone's allowed in. Even though he wasn't gesturing at me, I figured everyone's allowed in. You see, it's really easy to make that argument. As again, as long as you're not the first one through the door, as long as you're not the one who, who pushed over the bike lock, the, uh, the bike rack that the police were using as a barricade, as long as you weren't the one who forced open the door, actually broke the window, as long as you weren't the one who climbed up the scaffolding, all those things, pretty easy to prove you knew you weren't supposed to be doing it. But once the doors were opened, once the police officers were holding it open, it's fair game. And in this case... Yeah, this is just one case. Fine. But there are a lot of cases pending where this kind of defense will probably be useful. And if they get brought before the same judge, that's going to be even better. If they're not, they can still use that judge's reasoning to argue in front of a different judge. But there are people who have been locked up, who have been locked up for over a year, still have not been given their speedy trial as the Constitution requires. And the government's argument, the government's reason for this is they claim that they have so many defendants and so many hours of evidence that they can't get through all of it. That they can't possibly sift through all of the hours, the days, the weeks worth of video footage because there's cameras everywhere. You add it up, it's definitely weeks worth of video footage. To do that for every single defendant, that would take forever. Well, that's not the defendant's problem. Right? They have accused the defendant of a crime, and now they're saying they are unable to speedily prove that crime. Well, then you never should have arrested the defendant. There's a statute of limitations for a reason. Right? Take your time. If, if you think it's going to take a long time, fine. You shouldn't have charged the defendant. You shouldn't have charged them and then demanded that they not be given bail. Demanded that they remain locked up. That's what's happening, people. It's not just that they're charged. It's that the government has, has fought to deny them bail and has let them rot in jail while they simultaneously argue that they need more time. That it's just too much evidence. Listen, they argued before a judge and they convinced a judge there was probable cause that a crime was committed. They did that without the evidence. The right to a speedy trial demands that people accused of a crime have the right to expedite their defense they had the right to get past this get beyond this if they're guilty they're guilty if they're innocent they're innocent but the government has to prove it the government can't run out the clock especially not if they're forcing them to languish in jail but that's what's happening that's what's happening in the dc jail you have people who have committed this are accused of committing the same exact crimes as matthew martin unlawfully enter entering, unlawfully demonstrating, um, disorderly conduct, and parading without a permit. Those are the four crimes that most people are being charged with. This acquittal opens the floodgates. The difference, though, is if you've already pled guilty, it's over. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. Which is why I hate plea agreements. I hate the way they work. Again, I took one myself. I understand that. But I hate the theory behind it because it makes sure that a lot of people who are innocent 
or who could be proven innocent if they knew all the facts, never get a chance to do so because the government has unlimited money, has unlimited resources, and they can ruin your life if they want to over something as small as parading without a permit. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. And I've talked about this before on on my old podcast that legitimate insurrections were treated were treated lighter than this. You look at Shay's Rebellion, you look at the Whiskey Rebellion, two very early actual rebellions, actual insurrections in US history where US citizens took up arms against the US army and shot at at soldiers. Soldiers were were shot. The people responsible for those actual insurrections were ordered to hang and George Washington pardoned, pardoned them because George Washington said in the interest of healing this nation, we want to come together. We don't want to hang our neighbors. So even though George Washington's own troops were shot at, he still pardoned them. What are you seeing today? You are seeing them throwing the book at people accused of parading without permission protesting without permission, unlawfully entering the Capitol. Years, probably four years combined for those four charges, if I remember correctly, if they are forced to, uh, to serve them sequentially. And then you have situations where leftists, liberals, do the same thing. They force their way into the Capitol building to protest Kavanaugh or, or whatever, and they're let off the hook. Same exact crime. Same exact crime. Disrupting an official proceeding, unlawful entry into the Capitol, disorderly conduct, parading, picketing without permission. Same for crimes. But those liberals never get the book thrown at them. They're out the next day. Remember, I mean, you, you know what I'm talking about. The code pink ladies who would always do that in congressional hearings. Remember, they, they would walk into congressional hearings and they'd make a scene. They get dragged out and surprise, surprise, they're back the next day at the next day of hearings doing the same thing. Same people. It's a revolving door when liberals do it. And then they plead down to nothing, pay like a $50 fine, they're back. They're back. The same people in Code Pink were doing this week after week after week, and nothing ever happened to them. No, the reason that the Biden administration is going so hard after these people, I've said it time and time again, they're doing this because this is the closest they can get to going after you. They went after Trump because Trump represented you. They could destroy Trump and in doing so, hope that they could destroy you. With January 6th, they actually get a bite at that apple. Not you literally, but us, patriots, conservatives who walked in the Capitol. They said, ah, we don't have to just symbolically go after Trump. We can now get them. They threw the book at them, not because they actually believed that this was an insurrection. This guy did not break anything. He did not hurt anyone. He did not do anything disorderly. He's just walking around taking video with his phone. I'm going to play this clip. Remember, remember the protesters, how they stayed inside of the velvet ropes? I don't think this has audio to it. You see here that they're walking through the velvet ropes in the Capitol. They're trying to paint this, paint this as some kind of violent insurrection. They're obeying the velvet ropes. Have you ever known a terrorist to stay inside the queue? Stay inside the velvet ropes? Of course not. Of course not. It's very obvious what this was. We knew at the time what this was. 
They are nitpicking it. And, and the crazy thing is they've charged people who didn't even go in the Capitol. They're charging people who didn't even go in the Capitol. I want to see if I can find a bit from here because it explains how they, they believe that he was in the area. Here we go. According to records obtained through a search warrant, which was served on a cell provider, this is for Matthew Martin, on January 6, 2021, in and around the time of the incident, the cell phone associated with Martin was identified as having used, utilized a cell site consistent with providing service to a geographic area that includes the interior of the U.S. Capitol building. End quote. That's important because they've been doing this to everyone. The way they've been arguing probable cause, I'll take this down. The way they've been arguing probable cause is getting the cell records and arguing before a judge that we have reason to believe he was there because here, look at his cell phone records. His cell phone pinged the tower and that tower covers the Capitol. Well, the towers usually cover like a couple square miles. More if, if, you're, if you're outside the city, but with the city, it's, it's not as good as if you were in the countryside. Still, there's a big radius. The fact that it was pinged means nothing. And anyone who's ever used their cell phone for GPS tracking, you know how unreliable that is. You look at it, it says, oh, I'm standing in the neighbor's house. How'd that work? Because it's not a precise science. Well, in this situation, when the difference between going in the door or staying outside the door makes a huge difference, right? Using evidence that you were in the area that's plus or minus 50 feet, plus or minus 100 feet. That's not, that shouldn't be good enough. But the government's been able to convince judges that it is good enough, that it is good enough to get a search warrant, that it is good enough to get an arrest warrant. Not proving that they knew it was wrong, just proving that they're in the general area. We know, we know people who have been arrested, not for going in the Capitol, but for standing outside. And the government has argued that they were in. The sole evidence that they have that they were in was cell phone um, geolocation data. It means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. Seriously. Next time you are using GPS, stand still and watch how you bounce around, even though you're not moving. This never should have happened. This shouldn't be happening. In a fair and just society, you would not have these kind of cases being brought. In a fair and just society, when the prosecutors know that they do not have evidence beyond a reasonable doubt, they should not bring the cases. But these are being brought to make an example of them to scare you out of doing anything like this in the future. This was the first time that conservatives en masse actually rallied. Yeah, there have been other rallies. Like you go back a few years, the Glenn Beck rally on the Capitol on, 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 in the uh, National Mall, fine. Trump rallies, yeah, they, they can get pretty big, pretty boisterous. This was the first real rally where someone said, show up, we're protesting, and people did. People called out of work. People said, screw this, I'm going. And that's always been a problem with conservatives, getting conservatives to, to put aside their work, put aside their schedules, and go. Many liberals have this easy because many liberals do not have <laughs> jobs, or they have jobs that are a little bit more flexible, or they don't have jobs. It's easy to get someone out of their parents' basement to go and protest because in many cases, the, the Democrats are paying them to go protest. Conservatives, it's, it's always been harder. Well, conservatives say, well, I can't do it. It's a weekday. At the work. Oh, I can't do the weekend. Weekend. My kids have soccer practice. So a soccer game. Can't do that. I can't do Sunday. I have to go to church. I'm volunteering at a church function. There's always an excuse. And I get it, right? It's, it's part of life. This protest on January 6, 2021 broke through all of that.
And it wasn't just Trump. There was a lot of frustration there that boiled over from other things. People who were frustrated at the mask mandates, frustrated at the vaccine mandates, frustrated that they had been forced to hide inside their house for a year. There were lots of frustrations and it boiled over to the point people said, no, screw it, I'm going. I'm going and I'm letting my voice be heard. That terrified the hell out of liberals. Yeah, sure. Prosecute the people who punched the police officers. Absolutely. Prosecute the people like Ray Epps who incited others to push down the barricades. Prosecute the people who broke the windows, who broke open doors, who broke into offices. Absolutely. But the reason they're going after the regular protesters is because they know it will have maximum impact. They know you will think twice before you stand up and, and, and speak your truth, before you stand up and protest. Because you'll know in the back of my mind, whoa, whoa, whoa. Am I doing anything illegal? Is this illegal? Am I not allowed to do this? Are they going to come after me? They want to instill that fear in you so you'll think twice the next time. So the next time something like this happens, you'll just sit back and take it. You'll just sit back and accept it. Yes, yes, daddy, can I have another? Thank you for stealing the election, daddy. Please steal another one. That's what they're hoping they can condition you into doing. And it's people like Matthew Martin who have incredible bravery. Incredible bravery, because that could have gone either way. He says, nope, forget that. I'm not taking the plea deal. I'm going before a, 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 a judge. He happened to, to draw a Trump appointee. That was definitely better than drawing an Obama appointee based on what we've seen the Obama judges are doing. He drew a Trump appointee. He was able to make his case and the judge agreed him. You can see in that little clip where uh, one of the reporters was asking the lawyer, about how the judge said it was more likely than not that he knew he shouldn't be there, but the government didn't prove beyond a reasonable doubt. Well, more likely than not is a civil standard. That's right? preponderance of the evidence. That means at least 51% likely. It's not a criminal standard. You can't use preponderance of the evidence to convict someone beyond a reasonable doubt. It's just not how it works. But they're trying to make you afraid. They're trying to instill fear in you so you don't dare ever push back go back home sit home be quiet be compliant accept the reality that we're giving to you and if you dare if you dare jump out of line we will throw the book at you and we'll make sure that you never you don't see the light of day for four years all because you stepped into the capitol building shameful it really is disgusting so don't have a whole lot of other things. I do have a little bit of news. Nancy Pelosi has COVID. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and play this clip of everyone uh, learning that today in the briefing room. Kind of hard to hear it, but they are talking amongst themselves. They're wondering why isn't Nancy Pelosi coming into this room? Why isn't she coming in for this press conference? They're getting news alerts on their phone that Nancy Pelosi has tested positive. Do you see that one guy put on a mask? Everyone's like, let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. So did you see that? It's, it was hard to hear. They're all talking about themselves saying, oh my goodness, Nancy Pelosi got COVID. One of the guys there towards the left of the screen, upon hearing that, put on a mask. Nancy Pelosi's not in the room, dude. Like what? <laughs> then they left. It was like, oh, I guess we're not having this. 
Pelosi has COVID. Like so many other leftists who get sick, obviously, I wish her a speedy recovery. But I condition that with, I wish her a speedy recovery, and I hope that she can resign so she can focus on her health and well-being and spend time with her family. I don't wish her ill. That's not the conservative thing to do. That's not the Christian thing to do, to ever wish ill or harm on anyone. But I do hope that she can take this very seriously. And just like so many other cases, that she can resign and uh, focus on her health. I think, that's, I think that's what we all want. Nancy Pelosi to resign and spend time focusing on her health instead. Well, that's going to be it for this edition of the podcast. Do have a little bit of an announcement tonight. I'm going to be on Madison Marquette's podcast. I believe that's 8 p.m. Eastern time. That's going to go down. You can find that on her Telegram. I will also be posting a link to that interview on my Telegram. It was a really good interview. We recorded it earlier. Um, I, I, I had fun. I, she's a friend of mine. I met her in Colorado. Um, she's obviously heavily involved in trafficking. That's not exactly my area of expertise, but I think we had a really good conversation. It's really important these days, especially as we get into the midterm elections, there's going to be lots of different people, lots of different organizations, um, podcasts. They're going to be jockeying for your support and not all of them are really conservative. So Tune in tonight to that podcast. It's going to be on Madison Marquette's channel, 8 p.m. Eastern. I think it's on YouTube and Rumble and maybe Facebook. Um, check it out. I'll post links as well on my Telegram too. Also, another heads up, I'm going to be traveling next week. I have some work trips that I have to go on. So um, there are going to be podcasts next week, but they're probably going to be from the inside of a hotel room, probably going to be 20, 30 minutes, maybe a few just history podcasts since I won't have as big of a setup be able to pull cuts and things like that probably be me just talking about things maybe telling a few really interesting history stories i have a few of them that i've been working on um real american heroes who've done incredibly heroic things that uh, lots of people don't know their stories so yeah next week we will have podcasts all week long but there will be a few days where they will be from a hotel room and uh and a little bit shorter but please do uh mind the mess have to go on this trip and uh we're gonna just get through it before I go, also have to remind everyone this podcast is sponsored by Prep SOS. Prep SOS is a survival prep company. Um, they provide every they sell everything from water purification to food to other really important stuff that you need to prepare your family for, God forbid, the worst. Um, here at our house, we are prepared. I stocked up on all of my survival food because the old ones were starting to go bad. So ate those, bought new ones. Um, just like everything, survival food's getting more expensive. And just like everything with the supply chain, it's getting harder and harder to get that to you in a quick manner. I was looking, some of these companies are saying five to nine weeks before you'll get your food. Don't leave anything to chance, especially as we're getting ready to go into hurricane season. Go to prepsos.com. Use promo code MAX. So you're going to get 5% off your order. And you will help support the channel because we will get a small commission as well. So again, that's prepsos.com, P-R-E-P-S-O-S.com. And use promo code MAX, M-A-X, to get 5% off. That's going to be it for this edition of the Max McGuire Show. If you like this show, you got to subscribe to the audio version. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Podbean, and Audio. Audible, all those links are in the description, so tune in for that. We go live Monday through Friday, 1 p.m. Eastern on Rumble. Once I get back from my trip, I will be switching over to a multi-stream, so we will be going live on YouTube and DLive as well. So tune in for that. Yeah, that's it. This is That's it for this edition. Remember, everyone, the fight to take back our country is not over yet, but the only way we win 
is if we all stand up and fight together.